Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Today, you only get a good evening because you're watching this live on a Victory Thursday. Long time no say. And we have a Victory Thursday. We got the squad here. We got the man, the mad scientist coming off of a 48-hour, we won't say quarantine, but he had to get something <laughs> Jamal, Mad McMaggie, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Everything's good? Doing well, doing well, brother. Feeling a lot better and excited to talk about what, what we saw last night. Definitely. And we have the man, the myth, the legend, the founder of this great establishment, Ryan Dyrude. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good, man. I feel like uh, we've never left. I dropped you off at what, like 1 a.m. And, and here we are back at it. So excited yep. to, to be back with you. It was a fun, uh, fun 24 hours. Work was a struggle. I just want to let you know that much. Ugh, I don't know how you did it. 48-28. Final score for the holiday. Direct TV Holiday Bowl. The Trojans show up and impress. There are a lot of things we need to talk about. One thing I needed we need to talk about was there cancer in the Trojans locker room. We're going to address that point. I'm just putting it all out there. Was there cancer in the Trojans locker room? This was the first time I was ever to talk to the players. And me looking in these players' eyes, there's a different look, Jamal. It's different. It's different. I under, like, I get where Ryan was coming from, but it's different from different players. And what I saw from the guys who are returning and the guys who decided to play, their look, they had that look. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about this guy right here. Got to talk about this guy right here. <laughs> it is officially... Miller time at USC. We got a quarterback problem. Nice. We got a quarterback problem. Now, here's a question. It was one game, but the good thing about this one game was USC is the luckiest, the luckiest power five football team in the country. And I'm going to tell you why right now. They legit got a spring game against the number 16 team in the nation. They got a spring game, and they were able to evaluate their roster against another team, not against themselves, not against a 70% spring game, not against everybody stay up. This is your first time tackling. They got to evaluate their roster in a live action game. Nobody ever gets that opportunity, ever. They needed to evaluate Miller Moss. They got to evaluate Miller Moss in live action. They needed to evaluate all those freshman wide receivers. They got to evaluate all those freshman wide receivers in live action. They needed to evaluate those young DBs that they have. Got to evaluate all the young DBs in live action who played a lot better. And I think it was coaching. But we'll also get to that later. I will say this. I was impressed by the effort of the defense, but I was not impressed by the scheme. And Ryan knows that I was calling it all night. They're in unbalance. They're not checking to it. They don't have enough in the box. They're going to run it right there. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of things that happen. And I was like, uh, it's okay. There's a new scheme coming. So I don't feel like we need to harp on that. The things that we need to harp on is that the young kids that are staying and the players that are staying at SC have the opportunity to do something special. I'm going to say this. They're at the corner. I'm not saying they turned it. They're at the corner. They are right at the X, Y axis. They can either turn it and keep going, or they could go back down the X. It's completely up to them. But I feel like they are at the corner. What happens from here is completely up to them. I was totally satisfied with yesterday's game. I was not expecting to win. I was only thing, the only win I was expecting is everybody would get out without a surgery. And it looks like everybody got out without a surgery. But the way they played yesterday, they played as a team. In the press conference, they were all saying, we just all came together. We just all became a team. There was a sour locker room. And they told on themselves, and nobody else picked it up. But they told on themselves, there's a sour locker room. The sour locker room wasn't numbered. It was number 13, but it's not the number. It's the number 13 we expect. Because the number 13 that played decided to come back and play. Right? So. There might have been some issues. Neither here nor there. We'll jump into it. Let's go to the madman. We haven't heard from you forever. I miss you, Jamal. How are miss you, you too, man? Let's let give me your reaction on yesterday's game. 
Well, you know, I've got I've got five thoughts. I've got five reactions, you know, five things that jump to mind. Uh, first of all, you know, you have to start obviously right there, Fred. You have to start with Miller Moss, right? This will always be remembered as the Miller Moss game. This will be remembered as his first career start and and how he balled out. And, you know, it, it goes beyond the numbers. I mean, obviously, he was 23 of 33, 372 yards, the six touchdowns. I, I love some of the throws in particular. I, there was, what, a 29-yard fade to Taj Washington for a touchdown. There was that really nice inside slant from nine yards out to Kyron Hudson. There was kind of that high-point ball uh, with Jacoby Lane. He hit Makai Lemon on those two seam routes that I absolutely love. So his ability to kind of stay, stand into the pocket, absorb contact, be able to finish throws, be able to stay within the structure of the offense, be decisive, um, really did everything that was asked of him after waiting his turn. And I think there's sort of the on-the-field element of last night that was so special, but there's an off-the-field element here too, and so much has been made with Miller Moss about him waiting his turn and just showing true character and true grit and true resilience. All of that is true. I would be remiss, Fred, if I didn't take this as an opportunity to really acknowledge his family and his parents because – you know, a lot of people don't understand Miller Moss. You know, his dad is Owen Moss, who's one of the most prominent architects in all of Los Angeles. He was a guy who actually undergrad, believe it or not, Fred, went to UCLA. He, went, he did his master's in architecture from, from Cal. Uh, really a decorated alum there. Bill has built an incredible uh, real estate business from scratch. And his mom is a professor of architecture at USC, fully tenured professor. And so just the... The, the infrastructure that has been sort of built around him from childhood and the pedigree that he's had. I think watching his father build a huge business from scratch, watching his mother have such a successful career in academia and get tenure, watching these things take time and, and that it, nothing is sort of built in a day. I think the fact that he sort of was able to take those instilled values and not only apply them on the field, but also in the locker room from a leadership standpoint, you know, just speaks absolutely volumes about him. And, you know, it, it's interesting because oftentimes in sports, we think of the underdog as like, you know, the, the kid from the small school or, or, or the kid from the small town or the kid maybe not with all of the economic resources. Miller Moss is sort of the underdog in this case. Miller Moss is a one percenter, you know, but yet he instilled, he had those values in him. Um, to be able to sort of succeed at the highest level last night. So couldn't be more proud of Miller Moss and his ability to represent USC. And Fred, I know you're an alum. I'm an alum. Couldn't be more proud of his representation of the university. So it has to start. Everything begins here with Miller Moss, number one. Number two, Fred, Taj Washington. You know, and when you look at the seven for 99, the two touchdowns, but just the fact that he was willing to play the game. You know, and uh, the, in, in an era that we're in where guys are opting out for bowl games, obviously getting ready for the draft, draft position, there was very little, like, upside on paper for Todd Washington to play this game, and he played it anyway. And so many of the guys talked about, you know, this six-week transformational process that's really taken place of these guys coming together, and what a huge part Todd Washington was in terms of these last six weeks and what a leader he was and Miller Moss talking about just how he sort of represents things um, in that locker room moving forward. He actually was, you know, the weightlifter of the year at USC at five, nine and just an incredibly inspirational guy. And what a performance. I mean, that first touchdown was something else in terms of that blitz that uh, Miller Moss was facing kind of threw the ball, you know, sort of back, uh, back of his foot, you know, Todd has to kind of come behind himself stop, catch it, make two moves, get into the end zone, really showed tremendous ability in terms of yards after the catch last night as well. Just couldn't be happier for Todd Washington. And I hope NFL GMs really watch carefully because he's absolutely a phenomenal player. Three, Fred, for me, um, you talked about it. Some of these young guys stepping up at receiver. And, you know, let's start with Makai Lemon, the two catches for 75 yards. He had that first seam route, you know, Miller Moss took a shot, hit him kind of upper right, was able to catch it, make a, make a cut, 
and, and get about 25 yards after the catch. And then that second seam route was maybe Miller Moss's best throw of the night. I mean, he sort of dropped it in there uh, amidst three guys. He's such a unique guy to watch um, on television because he's really built like a running back. But then you see him kind of catch all these balls deep and make all these yards after the catch. So very dynamic, Makai Lemon. And then the other, the other young stud, three catches for 60 yards and two touchdowns, Jacoby Lane. And I care to recall, Fred, somebody said that Jacoby Lane Go has ahead. a chance to Go be ahead. pretty good. I don't know who that was, but man, that guy must have been really, really smart because Jacoby Lane is uh, Dwayne Jarrett 2.0 in my mind. And he was absolutely sensational last night. You know, the high point touchdown. Uh, and then Miller Moss kind of at the end of the first half threw that jump ball and he was able to win that jump ball. And then the, the third catch was on that inside slant where he actually slipped and still was able to catch the ball with his hands. It was absolutely terrific. And then great to see Deuce finally kind of make a play as well at the end of that game. And the sixth and final touchdown obviously was was his at coming off for that drop. So those three guys, I think, showing out offensively was huge for me. Fourth, Fred, was the three guys on defense that I was so impressed with and the young guys. And you also alluded to this first, Jalen Smith, you know, and the fact that he was able to ball out the way he's a player, man. And I think we've seen sort of flashes of it, um, you know, over the last few weeks of the season. But that those 12 tackles, all of the solo variety. And it was just so poetic as well to see Miller Moss be offensive MVP, Jalen Smith be defensive MVP. They both went to the same school. Uh, really sort of a fitting moment there. And then I thought the other two guys that played really outstanding from a competitive standpoint was Prophet Brown and Anthony Beavers Jr. And and Prophet Brown was really good in the flat. Louisville was throwing a lot of balls just to kind of their running backs in the flat to try and make one cut and turn maybe a two-yard play into a six- or seven-yard play. Brown did an outstanding job of kind of staying at home being in a lot of one-on-one situations, making some really nice tackles. He got burned a little bit. He had a few penalties. There were some ups and downs. He competed his tail off. I was really impressed. And same thing with Anthony Beavers Jr. Absolutely outstanding. And then he had that last punch out at the end of the game to sort of uh, call it a, a, a game at the end. So I thought those those three in particular were, were outstanding. And I think those three, you really have something from an evaluation standpoint going into 24 with the other guys that you're sort of looking at uh, significantly. And then number five, Fred, f- fifth and finally, I'll get off my soapbox. It's just you talked about it. And, and this is an opportunity. We've said it now for a number of weeks, and a number of months. We don't know what the identity of USC football is anymore. Where is the identity? Where is the culture? Who are these guys? Um, what does this even look like anymore? And last night was, I think, the first night that we saw something come together. And let's see this momentum moving forward. 24 guys either opted out or chose not to play last night. And the guy, the 53 guys were there. And there were 53 guys that really wanted to be there. They want to be USC Trojans. And it showed. And they played for each other. They played as a team uh, for, I think, the first time all year. And, and they came together in a way that we've been sort of waiting for all year. And what I'll say is in that performance, they also did two things. One is they totally confirmed the college football playoffs committee of their selection of Alabama over Florida state. Cause the fact that USC could do what they did with a backup quarterback versus what Florida state did, what they did with a backup quarterback, I think spoke volumes and B I think if I'm an NFL GM last night would give me a little bit of red flag uh, when it comes to Caleb Williams and his leadership. So I'm sure we'll talk about all those things, but those are my five uh, primary takeaways. That was the dissertation by Jamal Magny. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for that, Jamal. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, wrap it up. I got nothing to add. Jamal covered it all. (laughs) Um, No, no. uh, Just to add, I mean, yeah, it was just a fun game. It was fun to watch. It was like it was fun to see the guys on the sideline, um, the reaction. You know, the the game started. Lincoln said in the press conference they wanted to get off to a fast start. It went the exact opposite. They go three and out. And then Louisville drives right down the field and puts seven on the board. And you think, here we go again. This is going to be another long game. And like we said, the expectations weren't high because of all the players opted out because of what's transpired over these six weeks. But they turn it around. They stayed together and they went on a run. And, you know, it, it could have been even more of a blowout than it was, um, if not for maybe for that that pick at the goal line that Miller threw his one blemish in the game. So I think just it was it was a fun football game, seeing these guys connected. Um, Jamal alluded to it kind of the uh, – 
the lack of of culture identity and you know it's one game they got to build upon it but they they set the foundation now of what they can build upon and it seemed like that theme was so um strong and I, I think what i love about you know miller moss and this is just just specifically about him i'm not comparing him to anyone else but in every interview after the game during the game whatever it was like you know this this isn't about me this is about the team this is about what we do moving forward i'm excited about the group of guys we have here i'm excited about what we can do and he's just such a team guy which everyone knew because of what he's gone through and what he's you know built up to this point and so it was just so awesome to see him you know ball out and get rewarded for that and and you know, I, I think we'll definitely talk about too whether it's it's him or or Will Howard transfer portal guy moving forward and what that looks like. We'll get to that in a little bit, but he's certainly, um, you know, ended the season with an exclamation point as to you know what every fan wanted to see happen came through. Um, and so it, it was really fun to watch, really fun to see these guys. And the, and the only other thing I'll say because I think we we hit on all the points on kind of defense, the young guys, the young receivers. I mean, this is a loaded receiver room. Um, and you, you add Xavier Jordan coming in as a freshman. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a good group. And so you can see why maybe Pelham transferred out just because he'll have more opportunity to actually play up at Oregon as, as to what he'd have to fight against here at SC. But when you look at the offensive line and that's been the big, uh, issue a lot this season and rightfully so, um, but you look at these two recruiting classes now and Josh Henson, the, the offensive line coach, has added 10 offensive linemen between last year and this year. Elijah Page was the big get last year or this season, going into the season as a true freshman. Looked great at tackle against a good Louisville front. And I thought overall, I mean, it's hard. It's it, I think it shows you, one, how good the Pac-12 was compared to the ACC. But it, still, this was the 16th-ranked defense in Louisville. And I thought this offensive line held their own and played well and gave Miller Moss plenty of time. So the future of the trenches, I think, is also looking much brighter. We talked about it last night, uh, Al, about how adding you know some of these, these guys in the portal they added, adding some of these guys in this class, the defensive line, these big bodies. So you look at the defensive line, you look at the offensive line. They're building those the right way. And then the weaponry they have, if, if Miller Moss is what he was last night, the future is bright with this team and the culture has the foundation now. And now it's about continuing the building and saying, OK, Holiday Bowl, nice. It was a bad season. It was a disaster season. We ended on a high note. Now, how do we take that to the next level and get Rose Bowls and college football playoffs? So just a fun night all around, though, in San Diego. 100 percent. That's why I said they're at the corner. I'm not saying they're a national championship team next year. I'm not saying they're uh, they're a playoff team. I'm saying they're at the corner. They have the ability to turn the corner and become the program that they can. They finished on a high note, right? I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't what we expected, but they could have went there and just got curb stomped last night, and they didn't accept getting curb stomped. They went out there and competed. And the reason why I think they went out there and competed is because the locker room had cancers in it. And unfortunately, the cancers did not play last night. There was a difference last night. And, like, I, I – I'm gonna say this: when we had the when we do the practice reports, and Ryan said like you could just see it in the players, and they're so passionate, this and that. I experienced it yesterday. I was in the press conference yesterday, and all my 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 questions were towards the players. And looking at the players that are returning, they had that look, right? They had that look like even the players that were leaving that decided to stay and play. They were like, we we're not just gonna just give up. Like we're committed to USC. The selfish players didn't play last night. And I feel like, in my opinion, those selfish players have been cancers throughout the whole year. And we are talking about Caleb Williams. I'll go ahead and say it. Don't care what anybody says. I believe Caleb Williams had to be a cancer in that locker room. And I don't care what nobody says. I know culture. I was on an 0-12 team that I coached. And we had the worst culture that I've ever seen in my life. After we got to 0-5, 0-6, we completely lost everybody. We could not get anybody back. The best kid that you say, that kid is great. We were unable to get him back. I know culture. I've seen culture. I've seen culture where I was on a bad team coaching and we won the first four games and all of a sudden we lost. I've seen the shifts. I know players. I could look at a player and tell him and tell like they have that look. I legit Kyron Hudson last night, Jamil Muhammad last night, um, um, Miller Moss last night. Who else was in there? The Who was the other youngster in there last night, Ryan? Yeah, the first Smith. group. Jalen Smith. You look yeah, those guys – Matt, you look those guys in the eye. They have to look. Do you want to know what the look is? The Kobe look, the Michael Jordan look, the LeBron look. They have to look. 
Caleb Williams was there, didn't have his jersey on, and then got chauffeured out. Like, he hugged Miller Moss, got chauffeured out. It is what it is. He was a cancer. And I'll say it. I'll take the blame. I'll take the criticism for it. He was a cancer, and it showed in the play. Those players were not happy. Anytime you say the six weeks we came together, there's only 15 practices within those six weeks. So they really aren't together all six weeks because you only get 15 practices. You're allowed 15 practices for the bowl game. These dudes were a different team and a different group of people last night because there were people missing. He was a cancer. I'm not taking anything away from his talent. I'm not taking anything away from what he has done for USC and his Heisman Trophy. He is great. But he was not good for that locker room. If Miller Moss would have played this past season, the season would have been different. I don't know if it was could have been college football playoff, but I guarantee you it would have been at least 9 to 10 to 11 games because you see how these players get behind Miller Moss. It was different. I was on the field after the game. These players were happy about what Miller Moss did. Caleb Williams hugged Miller Moss. Nobody else was talking to Caleb. I noticed those things. They, everybody else doesn't notice those things. They weren't talking to Caleb. I walked into the wrong left locker room. Cliff, hu Cliff hugged Caleb and said, hey, man, it was great. And then I was like, oh, this is the wrong way. I need to go the other way. Lincoln and Caleb didn't even talk to each other. They just walked right past each other. Caleb was a cancer. His talent got too big for the locker room. And that's on Lincoln because Lincoln was unable to contain it. You got to cut the snake at his head. And he was unable to do it. That showed on the field. The team we saw last night was not the team we saw all year. And it was apparent. And I think that's the reason why. Caleb wasn't the only catcher, too. I think Brandon Rice and I think, um, uh, God dang it, can't even think of his name. I think Caleb Bullock was also a little bit cancerous, too. They got too big for the, they got too big for the system. I believe they got too big for the system, and we saw it. And when you get too big for the system, your team loses. If everybody buys in, no matter how big you are, your team wins. I played with Ray Malaluga, Keith Rivers, Steve Smith, Dwayne Jarrett, Brian Cushing, Clay Matthews, Mark Sanchez. Uh, um, I played with Fred. I played with Sam Baker. I played with Ryan Khalil. I played with all pros and pro bowlers and Super Bowl champions. Malcolm Smith, Michael Morgan. Nobody was bigger than the program. First rounders, third rounders, undrafted free agents. Nobody was bigger than the program, and we won. When you're bigger than the program, you lose. That's on Lincoln, and he should have controlled that. I'll pass the one to you guys. Yeah, for I digress. I mean, it's it's a, no, no worries. No, thanks for the <laughs> thanks for the counter dissertation. Uh, you know, it was <laughs> <laughs> what I will say is, look, I've been saying this. I've been the first one to say this, right? right. I mean, I, I'm the one who had the first article this year that said, you know, is is Caleb Williams a true Trojan, right? I, I, I'm the one who said about his body language at the start of the season when we were still kind of sugarcoating the culture of this team. I thought it was really fitting last night that he had the jersey around his neck didn't yeah. you it uh, wasn't that so symbolic that he it just was had it on jersey just he he had just, it on. the jersey was around his neck but he didn't have both sleeves in and he's never had both sleeves in his entire career at usc he's never been both feet in the pool he's never cared about usc caleb only cares about caleb and here's the other piece of it and he's a phenomenal talent and no one's taken away He's going to be, a, a, if not the number one pick in the draft, he's going to be a top five pick in the draft, and he's going to have every opportunity to demonstrate that he's a franchise quarterback to an NFL team. But you cannot deny his body language, his lack of leadership this year, the discontinuity that you saw from this team, and the moment he chose to distance himself from this team, this team sort of galvanized around each other and had their best performance of the year. That is just too strong a correlation to ignore if you are an NFL GM. And I think the other piece of it is a lot is kind of being made of Mil the, the hug that he had with Miller Moss. You know what I found ironic, Fred, is that he waited to do it when all the cameras were, were rolling. You know, there, there was plenty of opportunity to give Miller Moss his praise in the I final three this, minutes Jamal, of that I game. Will say, I will plenty say this. of opportunity in the, the final three minutes, in the final five minutes, in the final seven minutes. He could have gone in there at a private moment. 
He waited for all the cameras to be around, gave his hug, made sure everyone saw that, and then bounced out. And so I think moving forward, there's going to be, I think, huge questions. If you're an NFL GM and you're investing 10, 20, 50, 100 million dollars in this investment, you know, is this guy, is the headspace there where he's more about we than he is about me? Because I got to be honest with you, in two years at USC, it's always been Team Caleb first, USC second, and it showed. Last year in 22 was a little bit of smoke and mirrors. We got all the turnovers. We kind of got all the bounces in the right games, in the right moments, and had a little bit of an inflated record. This was kind of what this team really was uh, in terms of a program point of departure, and it showed. It just It's a stunning transition of what we saw when he's affiliated with the program and when he's not. And now there's other factors. He's not the primary cause. I'm not saying that. But this is a hard data point to ignore if you're an NFL GM. Yet this team rallied and galvanized as strongly as they did with Caleb Williams uh, being having nothing to do with this program. $50 in the playbook. That's all I'm going to say. Before you go, I go to Ryan. I will say this, Jamal. Uh, Caleb hugged him like four times. So he hugged him immediately after the game. When well, he came he's because he got he wants to make sure that the cameras are watching, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, you got to get you. the hugs in, bro. Come on now. Yeah. Come on, so, Fred. Yeah. You know, you, 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 Fred, you and I went to USC. Okay. We, we, you and I both took, we all got to take broadcast journalism at SC. We all got to step on Annenberg. We know how the camera works. We know how the media works. We know what they teach us. Come on now. You know what's going on there. Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, I think the only thing I'll add is th this is like the, I mean, there's a lot of shaky waters, but this is the true shaky waters of the NIL era. And Caleb Williams is the poster child of NIL. NIL is what, three, we're in year four of NIL or year three or four. And and he's the poster child of it when you all of a sudden have one player making 90% of the NIL profits for your team. It changed things. What's the other, what, what are the other stories we're starting to hear? Both Jamal and Coach, we've talked about, we've heard of, players having some issues with their star player, you know, getting treated differently. Shamar Sanders over in Colorado, right? There's stuff about how he can do no wrong. He's the number one NIL earner in college football. Not saying it's the same scenario, but it's a really real thing. And th this is the challenge that these coaches and Lincoln Riley now have to galvanize with their teams. And these last six weeks didn't have any of that. Miller Moss, I mean, I'm sure he has some NIL money, but he's been a backup. I mean, he's just been a true Trojan, as we said. Miller Moss has and, NIL money. It's just called a trust fund. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so all of the the top kind of NIL faces with brands and earners weren't really around as much these last six weeks. It was truly foot, what football was 10 years ago in college football, where you're just there for your teammates, you're there for ball and not there for that that earnings. And so that's the new challenge. And so I'm not saying any excuses or taking any sides. That's just the true reality of college football. And it, it's going to be interesting to see now, because I agree with you, there, there definitely was that disconnect with Caleb. And it definitely felt like, I think I, I, I'm not in there with him, so I don't like to assume, but it, it seemed like players loved him, but there definitely was like a, a difference. A, like, a, oh yeah, great guy, no problem with him, but he's not someone I'm like, you know, he got invited to the birthday party, right? And then drafted. Yeah. He was at, they were at his birthday party, but was he the best man in the wedding? I don't know. We'll see. But the, the interesting thing will be now seeing if you build a roster, and this is going to take probably a decade to figure out, are the teams that go after the top tier guys and give big NIL money the ones that are going to win? Or is it better to disperse it across, build that foundation and culture? and you disperse NIL across, and you really have a good foundation, and everyone's kind of like on an equal playing field. You don't have this, you know, king figure up above. So, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. But it seems like that's a huge thing, too. For this, I mean, personality, I'm sure, is part of it, too. But when you have one guy making three, four million bucks and is in every single commercial and ad, I mean, it's it's naturally going to be a disconnect between your other teammates that are, you know, just going to chemistry class and whatnot, not getting paid. Here's the difference, though, Ryan. And here's it's a slightly different sport, but it's the same school. And look at Bronny James. Bronny James has more NIL than Caleb Williams. You don't hear the same issues with Bronny James. Everything that you hear for, about Bronny James is how well brought up he is and what a, what a good team guy he is. Now, I get he's not the, su the star player on the USC basketball team, but he has got the superstar name. 
And there's a whole circus that's kind of come around USC basketball for this one year because of Bronny James. But you hear just what a team guy he is. He just wants to be one of the guys, how well he's brought up, how, how well of a teammate he is, how much he wants to sort of connect with people. So I get it. You know, and I and I, I appreciate you always trying to kind of give everybody the benefit of the doubt there. But this is not just a purely a financial function. There is there is something personal there. There is something at an individual level that was not right. To just say that this is a function of finances is letting him off the hook in a way that I don't think is fair. I don't think is credible, and I don't think is real analysis. So I think we have to sort of acknowledge there is a personality issue with him. And that's going to sort of reveal itself even further in NFL draft evaluation, or he's going to find a way to rectify it and grow from it moving forward. So obviously the ball is still very much in his court. He controls his destiny about how he's going to be a professional moving forward. But as it stands right now, there is a huge disconnect between him and his teammates. And it just showed this entire season. I mean, right from that, the second half of that Colorado game and into that Arizona game, he just looked like a guy who didn't really want to be there for his team. And he was checking a box and he was waiting to, to get drafted. And all he was doing was using USC as, as leverage in terms of subliminally talking to NFL teams. He didn't give a rip about USC. There was a 0.00% chance he was coming back next year. This was all about him elevating himself. Teammates be damned. I will say this, Ryan, for, for Lincoln Riley, I don't think he's the right coach to spread NIL amongst the players. And the reason why I say that is because his hotbed is California and NIL is big in California with California high school kids. So they're, they want the money. They're chasing the money. Some people don't want it. Some people are just like, Hey, like, I'm just happy to go to SC. I'll take a quick 40,000. I'll be on the Popeye's window saying, hey, your local Trojan supports Popeye's. But there is an NIL. The NIL is a – USC is a big logo and it's a money grab school. I also think that Lincoln Riley can't handle distributing money equally because he's going to chase after the big name and the big player. Now, I will tell you where it's working, and they're actually doing it. Utah, everybody gets a truck. That's your NIL. That's just how you're getting it. Everybody gets the same truck. Everybody gets the same thing. A coach like that in Utah. You do it at Michigan State. Works the same way. Guys who build programs and create culture from pretty much bottom-down schools and make them a competitive program could evenly disperse NIL. The problem is Riley has pressure on him also that it's time for him to win. So now he has to go get the big name, and the money is the way to go get the big name. So he opens Pandora's box, and it's kind of hard to close. If it would have been originally like that, here, everybody gets a meal. I don't care who you are. Caleb all the way down to the guy who's the red shirt senior on scholarship from Todd Hilton. You guys all get a meal. We're all going to play. We're all about SC. It would have worked, but it doesn't work like that now, and I think it's hard to fix. So there is a way. You're right, Ryan. There is a way. Utah, perfect way. Michigan State, Oregon State. Those coaches who who like are ground up guys who build coaches within their school and take lesser talent and make them good and have a couple good guys. Yeah, everybody gets the same thing. SC is already too far gone and it's going to be kind of hard to reel it back in, if that makes sense. Well, also what you guys are saying is let's just create a salary cap, right? Because right now, what what is college football? It's baseball. It's an uncapped yes. professional sport. And so what we're saying is, let's just make it capped. Let's turn it, it into the NFL. Let's turn it into the NBA. Let's give everybody kind of equal amount or just give every team an equal amount and let them figure out how to disperse it. I think, I think that'll help some, but I think human nature is human nature. And then it's going to end up being one of those things where everyone's making the same amount and then someone is sort of outsizing their effort. They're producing more on the field for the same amount of dollars than somebody else. And then that creates tension and that creates animosity and humans are humans at the end of the day. And we're very complex creatures. And so again, I, I don't know if you can completely fix this through some financial mechanism. You need the guys like Miller Moss and Todd Washington, the guys who will from their heart genuinely want to be at a certain place. And you need to find enough of those guys to pepper on your team to really be the glue to build culture. I think 20 years ago, the best coaches 
were the ones that could recruit nationally. They could go into any living room in any part of the country, any culture, and sort of get, uh, get their guy. I think 10 years ago, it was all about the facilities. Whoever had the shiniest facilities, you know, that was the big leg up on who they could get their guy. I think now the huge currency in recruiting is going to be who is the greatest culture builder moving forward. The greatest culture builders over the next five, seven, eight years in this sport are going to be the ones with the greatest amount of success, even more than X's and O's, even more than, you know, who their staff is necessarily. It's all about culture because it's so hard to build in this mercenary transactional marketplace that has now become college football in the 2020s. If you build culture, NIL doesn't matter. I don't care what exactly. you say. If you build culture, and I don't know Alabama's NIL, I know Saban's not a fan of it, and I don't know how it's working out, but if you build the culture, NIL doesn't matter. Here, And if you, you guys, have a real culture, Fred, yes. one guy shouldn't be able to torpedo it. That's right. not a real culture then. Agreed. So if one guy or two guys or four guys or however many you're suggesting, Fred, um, which I agree with, to, we're, we're able to torpedo this, then guess what? It was a house of cards to begin with. It was just a sandcastle of culture to begin with. You didn't have any culture. Okay, so all we're saying right now is what last night showed is not that there's a culture, not even that there's a structure, not even that there's even a, a house of culture. We got the studs. There's some studs in there that have been placed because before last night, there were not even any studs in place. I, there wasn't even studs. They're putting in underground utilities. Yeah. The foundation hasn't even been laid yet. They're still putting in underground utilities. Yep. So let's go ahead. We have to address the elephant in the room. We got on our soapbox. We were able to talk about it. Last night, our man, Miller Moss, I got the stat pack here. Give me one second. I'm sorry for not being prepared. Miller Moss, you called it out earlier, Jamal. Miller Moss, 23 for 30, 33. One interception. The interception, I, I get it was all right. He got ahead of himself. He was feeling good. It happens. He got his first blemish on. It's fine. One interception, 372 yards, six touchdowns. His longest touchdown pass was 44 yards. He set the Holiday Bowl record, Pac-12 record, for most touchdowns in a bowl game. Now, everybody's going to ask, should Miller Moss be quarterback number one? I have DMs in my Twitter. Should Miller Moss be quarterback number one? People are asking in the comments, should Miller Moss be quarterback number one? There's a way to do this. There's a way to do this. If it's us and we're coaches and we're amongst each other, Miller Moss is our guy. 100%. Miller Moss is our guy. Now, my wife tells me this all the time, and every time I keep doing the same thing and keep messing up, she always tells me this the same time. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. You guys see where I'm going here? So if it's among the coaches and we're talking, Miller's Boy, our guy. Einstein and your wife. I love <laughs> it. I'm all about it. Miller Moss is our guy. Now, you still bring in a quarterback. He might not be Will Howard. He might not be Cam Ward because you don't need him. But you need a solid backup that just in case he gets hurt, you can't coach injuries. You can't prepare for injuries. You need somebody to get you through the season just in case he gets hurt. But you also need to bring in someone like Miller. You need to compete for this spot. The quarterback spot is still open because last time you went through this situation, you gave the starting spot to somebody and he killed the coach in your program. So is Miller number one? Yes. Does Miller need to compete? in the spring and the fall coming in and doesn't need to be all over the media saying there's a quarterback competition. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. The team is going to be behind Miller. The team is already behind Miller Moss 100%, but they don't need to know that he's number one. They need to stay behind him because if you keep him behind him, when he does have a bad game, we're all humans. Nobody does great at work. Everybody, nobody does perfect every single day. There's only two people who could do it. That's the Lord and me. We're the only people who could have perfect days every single day. The rest of you guys, I don't know. No, I'm just joking. But what I'm saying is he's going to have a bad game. If you have the team behind you, will get you through the bad game. The defense will step up. You will get through that. Get the team behind him. Get the competition going and make everybody like, come on, Miller, you could do this. We want Miller as our quarterback. And then now it pushes you forward. You get that catapult. It's like a drift with NASCAR, right? You get that catapult, and now you have something going. Miller Moss is a 
very good quarterback, and I told every single one of you that last year. He's very good. When Lincoln Riley puts him in, he's going to run a different offense. We saw a different offense last night, and then he got so comfortable, he completely opened up the playbook, and Miller Moss really started slinging it. I am excited for the Shandy next year. If you don't know what a Shandy is, a Shandy is beer and lemonade, Miller or lemon. That's going to be the big connection next year. Miller Moss is not going to run the same offense as Caleb Williams. Miller Moss is pro-ready right now, and I'll tell you why. He sat in the pocket and took three hits in the mouth, got right back up, went down, and threw it again. Miller Moss threw a pick, shook it off, came out, and scored a touchdown. Miller Moss is a very, very good quarterback, but Miller Moss cannot be handed the starting position off of this one game because that's bad culture. He needs to compete for it mentally, if that makes sense. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's, I, I think competing is important. Um, I mean, he's, what's exciting, I think, is this was his first start and this is what he did. So, the, yeah, some throws were behind. He overthrew a couple guys. Uh, he threw the pick. I mean, there were some, even some throws, some of his receivers bailed out but this was his first start. Like those things are going to get better and better as he progresses. And the fact that his first start was to the tune of 372 and six touchdowns against the 16th ranked overall defense and the 16th ranked team in the nation. Um, it's, it's really exciting. Now you got to bring someone else in. I mean, there's no other scholarship QBs. So someone's coming in. There's no recruit, no freshman coming in. Um, they could still get, you know, a freshman at, at some point, but they're, they're going to bring someone in. So, you know, you, you, if I'm Lincoln Riley, I probably tell Will Howard, like, hey, we, we still want you here, but the job is not yours. Like, you got to come in and compete. And I'm guessing a guy like Will Howard and Cam, Cam, Cameron Ward are not leaving Washington State and Kansas State unless they're going to a starting position. So will they come? Probably not. I'm sure Will Howard ends up at Ohio State probably or somewhere else. But you still extend the invitation. Hey, we want you here. Like, competition breeds uh, better play. Iron sharpens iron. We need to build that foundation that we just talked about and, and what we did in this game and building team culture and, and building each other up. But I mean, this is at this point, this is Miller's team. Obviously the, the, he's beloved by the, uh, the fan base. He's beloved by the players. He showed he can, he's capable. And, you know, now he's going to have a whole off season with more reps. He's going to have, you know, spring game action. And so, you know, I'm just excited to see where he does, but they're going to have to add someone. So it depends if they bring in one of the big name guys still to compete or if they bring in one of the, you know, a, a lesser known guy to at least at least have a backup. So you got to have you got to have at least two or three on the on the roster know. going into fall. So so someone will be coming in. But yeah, I, I this right now in December, this doesn't mean a whole lot. But right now, this is Miller Miller Moss's team. But I think he even himself said, and this is what I love when asked about after the game, like he brought up like, oh, you forgot to mention my interception or he brought up. Yeah, there's still things I'm going to watch the film. I know I got to clean up. I know I got to get this better. So I'll just say it again. Like this was his first start. We can't expect every start to be like this, but we know a lot of those things are going to get cleaned up. There's going to be more continuity with his receivers. The offense line is, is probably going to get better. So it's Miller Moss's team. Now it's up to who's going to come in and compete and push him further. Anybody who expects a person who only had 15 practices with the first reps for the first time in his college career to come out and play perfect and judges his passes, I will give you $10,000 at my house. I'll give you 15 practices, and I want you to be 100% accurate with a college defense, even though you probably never played and you barely passed PE, and you're judging Miller Moss on his first start with 15 practices with the first group. That is the dumbest thing you can ever do. 100% the dumbest thing you can ever do. He was he his accuracy was actually almost 70 percent so he wasn't that bad so i don't understand how people can be like oh well there were some passes behind them and this and that uh it takes time to get timing and timing right and that timing is from august i'm sorry from the end of july all the way to the first of september and two a days so get off the kids back it was his first start and he threw six touchdowns and broke a record for 329 yards something anybody who critiques him could never ever do so Miller Moss did great. Hi, haters. Go ahead, Jamal. Yeah, no, I mean, look, it, this was a historic first start. I mean, there's no, I mean, trying to find blemishes in this uh, first start is is sort of picking at at things that are just at, at such a level of minutia. 
And B, even if there were a couple jump balls, even if there were maybe a couple 50-50 balls, even if there were a couple balls where he was kind of feeling it and maybe put the ball at risk more than he could have or should have, look, that, that comes with sort of the territory of your first start, and those are all very fixable things. I think having said that, where I want to sort of pump the brakes a little bit on kind of the, the Miller-Moss hype train before it sort of gets out of control USC style is kind of three things. First is, let's not forget, this was a game the team had six weeks to prepare for. And that's not a realistic scenario in season, right? The only time you get six weeks to prepare for a game is your season opener or your bowl game. That's number one. Number two, the opposing team didn't have any film on Miller Moss because there was no film on Miller Moss, right? And so USC had the advantage of having film on a Louisville team minus their top two offensive weapons, right? Their leading receiver, 1,000-yard receiver, opted out. Their leading rusher, 1,200-yard rusher, opted out. And then, unfortunately, their starting quarterback dislocated his pinky in the game. But they had film on that whole team, and it was sort of a lesser team that they had film on versus Louisville had nothing, had no idea what to expect given uh, Miller Moss's lack of first-team reps in any sort of a game. And then C... SC was able to just kind of cut it loose and be free. I mean, this was a one-game season. It was a game on an island in total sort of discontinuity from everything else. You win, you're going to get praised the way we're showering them with praise right now. If you lose, nothing really is going to happen because the expectations were so low. So moving forward, how many times is this team going to have the opportunity to A, prepare for six weeks, B, have all the film be one-sided and C, have no pressure, right? So it is very much of a bubble scenario and a lab type of environment. So I think that's one where we have to be cautious about moving forward. But having said that, I think where you have to sort of uh, bring in the reinforcements is you still have to extend another quarterback and continue to challenge and refine Miller Moss in the spring. And whether that is Will Howard or whether that is Cam Howard, uh, um, whether that is Cam Ward, whether that is Jaden Delora, whether that is someone else, you have to sort of be able to create that competition moving forward in order to be able to determine who your QB1 is going to be in the future. Because let's not forget, and I'm going to provide some historical context, JT Daniels, Keaton Slovis, Jackson Dart. All three of those guys, first career starts, all balled out, right? All of them had 300-plus yards, multiple touchdowns. We thought this was going to be the next guy. And none of those three guys quite panned out. So as phenomenal and sensational as Miller Moss was last night, he was all of those things. Every iota of praise that he's getting and, and will be getting moving forward is totally deserved, and it's probably underselling him. But this is not exactly an unprecedented situation for USC football the last seven, eight, nine years. We have seen three guys blow up in their first career starts and have expected the train to just take off the tracks and, and create a great new era, and it hasn't quite worked out. So for all of those reasons, you still don't really have a sure thing yet, and you need to be as aggressive as you were before last night that you are now moving forward after this game in terms of getting another quarterback to really strengthen the competition and make sure you have the most credible player starting against LSU in 2024. I, I will I say can just this. add one, one thing, Coach. Yeah, go ahead. Because we were talking about last night and um, just, just specifically to his play in this game um, that I thought was really fun to watch because – uh, you know, him and Caleb Williams are completely different players. I mean, they're very different style quarterbacks. They have different skill sets, but they play in the same offense. It's a different, I think what we saw on Wednesday night was a different offense a little bit than what we saw two years with Caleb. But you, w there was a lot of times when watching Caleb and sometimes would always do it. And Jamal, you can relate when we were in the press box in the Colorado game um, and others, but you could see like pre-snap, Okay, here's where this this looks like it's going to be open, or you even see the play develop, and you could say, okay, there's the shot, and Caleb would either scramble out of it or, or do something else, and, and kind of go off script a lot of times. And, you, and sometimes you're like, oh, I, I feel like that, like I didn't call the play, but I feel like that was probably where it's supposed to go, and he scrambled or or kind of did something else and went off script and did 
something amazing, but it wasn't like just what the play call was last night. Coach, how many times were you sitting there like, Oh, it's going to, it's going here. Like that guy's going to be open and like on command snap, boom, hit the, hit the route. We saw the deuce play the six touchdown. Oh, deuce is gone. There it is. Touchdown. And so he was just really good at going through the play sheet, the progressions. And I think the offense that Lincoln Riley devised for this specific game called really well. And Miller Moss executed it really well succinctly to exactly what the coach wanted. So we'll see what that looks like, obviously moving forward and if that's good, but just in pertaining to Wednesday night game, I thought that was really fun to watch. You could see it unfold and then he would hit it and make it happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree, Ryan. I, I felt the same way watching it last night. I, I don't think he made a third read the whole night. I mean, it was it was one read or it was first read or second read and the ball was out. And and that's not a, a sort of a criticism of his inability to, to make progressions. Hardly. It's just there was a clarity of thought and a decisiveness in terms of where the ball was going to go and a command of the offense and a willingness to stay within the structure of the offense that we just haven't seen all year and probably haven't seen for the better part of a year and a half. And so it was just so refreshing to see him absorb so much information in such a short period of time and be able to execute it so flawlessly. I, I will say this. So I have, I have two counters for Jamal. The, the one counter is so bowl games, you only get 15 practices. So you only get those 15 to prepare. Yeah, but that's three times more than you get on a normal week, right? Uh, they use the first. No, no, days. that's just that's just math, Fred. Right? There's five days in a week, right? I hear what <laughs> so. I hear what you're saying, but but generally they use those first two weeks of practice for, like, use it as spring ball, and then they use the second two weeks for. Sure. Practice. I don't know how they did it, but like, the the pre the the before the season is all football, all prep. I just want to give my man Miller a little bit of slack. That's all. I'm no, saying. no, I, I, look, <laughs> I, I'm 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 just. I mean, I'm overflowing with praise here. There is yeah. nothing to sort of knock Miller Moss about. I'm just trying to contextualize the performance here just to sort of keep us sort of in the realm of realism here and analysis about moving forward, just because we, we've kind of seen this story before with a yeah. lot of other talented quarterbacks, and sometimes it doesn't stay on course. I will tell you this. They got, and they got hurt, so hopefully he just stays yeah. healthy, knock on wood. Yeah, Daniel's I not will. hurt, Keaton's not hurt, and Jackson. Yeah, but hurt. Slovis, Ryan, I don't know if you were watching. Slovis fell end, off. But Slovis, Slovis fell, off. fell off. I mean, Slovis yeah. fell off big time. And then Dart got hurt, but then never could kind of get back. And even JT actually started playing a little bit like Caleb, frankly, in a different way, where he was kind of too impromptu. His arm angles weren't necessarily disciplined. He wasn't the mobile quarterback that Caleb was. But, you know, he was sort of breaking the structure of the offense in, in bizarre ways. I will say this, too. Another counter, too. No matter who comes in at quarterback, they're going to be good because they have four legit receivers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they have four legit receivers. And the running backs are good. And the offensive line are good. The offense is good for the next two years. We'll give it two years because some people may leave early and all this and all that. The offense is good for the next two years. The goal should be defense, honestly. But but those youngsters played so well last night, man. They did give up a lot in the run. And the only reason why they gave up a lot in the run is because they still had unsound defense. Like, completely unsound. If you're, oh, my God. It was bad. Anyway, neither here nor there. That doesn't matter. That defense won't be ran next year. But the youngsters on defense played really, really well last night. Like, number 30, I don't even know what year he is in school. He played well. Um I got my little notes. I was writing notes. Number 30. Uh, where's 30? Chris Thompson Jr. He played well last night. Uh, Romella Height played well last night. Jamil Muhammad played well last night. Like it, they were playing different football. I don't know what and it was. And coach, what's crazy is Chris Tom Chris Thompson Jr. is in the transfer portal and he still plays. He, and he still plays. He's trying to get filmed there. Yeah. Maybe I wonder back. if he could come. I wonder <laughs> if he could come back. But they played well last night. Mason Kyle played well last night. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It like, also shows, Fred. You know, at the end of the day, we have such intense analysis and such intense scrutiny and such intense focus day after day. These are still kids, man. It's, they are these kids. are still eighteen to twenty-two yes. year old kids. They are kids. And pressure plays a huge role in all of this. And when you remove the pressure of needing to compete for a national championship or having to live up to a number six preseason ranking or having to adhere to college football playoff or bust expectations or having to deal with 
having the running it back with the Heisman Trophy winner or a hundred million dollar coach who's got to have it and prove it to himself and prove it to the Trojan family. When you remove all of that pressure and you can just kind of go out and play ball in the park, essentially, it just shows what what a difference pressure can make. And last night, that's why I don't want to necessarily get too much into the X's and O's because last night was just more of a free expression of just go and play, play the game that you loved, play it for the university that you care about, and just leave it all out there. And there was a purity and there was a joy last night that we just haven't seen from USC football in a very long time. And Covington, I mean, even running off the field on that last touchdown, I was like, we're a team now, we're a team now. I mean, my goodness. I mean, just such powerful things were said and really an indictment of what was happening before yeah. um, in terms of well, some of the things that we heard last night. Yeah, and and it shows how good. What have I been saying all year? The defense is too complex. Just make it simple. Just let them fly around. Shows how good they can be. I don't think anybody knows that they gave up 220 yards on the ground last night. The score to a backup running back. But the score doesn't show that, you know, because they were flying around making plays. They were tackling, right? I saw Taylor after the game, like, little short story. Me and Taylor were roommates our freshman year. Saw him after the game. He's like, man, this was a tough one, but we got it done. I was like, really? He was like, yeah, like, that's also when I knew. That's when I knew he was like, he's like, all of a sudden, like, the third practice, it just clicked. Like our third practice, it just clicked. It just happened, and they, they were flying around. They were having fun again. I'm like, they better make like, they better make sure Taylor Mays is back next year. They better yeah. make sure. And then I was like, I was like, but I also told him, I was like, well, you guys simplified the defense. He was like, yeah, that was one of them too. But anyway, <laughs> but no, they were just flying around. They were just flying around. So, I mean. Dang, I, I'm just proud of them. That was a great performance yesterday. Like I said, they're at the corner. I'm not saying they turned the corner, right? I'm not saying they're, this is going to be a change, but I think they're at the corner. Like, they could still take this. And I don't care what you say, Jamal. I confirmed it today with everybody I played with. Chris Richard's interception against Arizona when it was a tie. Coach what Carroll, year? What year? 2001. They were oh, tied. Come on. Give me a break. I'm telling you, Coach Carroll showed us this video all the time. When we lost to Stanford, he told us, he said, this was the turning point. He told us this. I confirmed it with people I played with. Like, what was the video that Coach Carroll showed us when he said this was the turning point? He's like, I'm not, I'm not denying that wasn't the video. But, I mean, by his own admission, 27 nothing against UCLA was the turning point of his – by his own admission. So, either he was lying to the public or he was lying to you guys. He was you know? lying to one of us. But all I'm saying is <laughs> – they showed that they, he always showed the pick. He had a, I think Pete Carroll had honesty gaps to the media. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't but, think so. I don't think so, right? Nice try. <laughs> no, but he showed us that. And like, this could be the game. This could be the game that's like, look, you guys, this is who we're about. This is who we are. Like, this could be the game that could turn it. I don't know. Could, right? So there leaves question marks of possibility. Does this have the ability to be the game? Yes. They'd be like, man, after that holiday bowl, SC just took off, right? And then eight years from now, Lincoln Riley retires, and he says, man, that holiday bowl in 2023, <laughs> that team came together, and this is where we are now. I got six national championships later, you know, and six national championships and eight college football playoff appearances. <laughs> so, I mean, this could be it. So, so I'm I'm sorry, you were interviewing Nick Saban? What was what, what was the question? <laughs> I'm saying it can happen. We're just at the corner. But at the end of the day, man, I, it, they they played well. Like you said, they were playing fast. Like the culture is the culture we need to see all year. These dudes were happy. And this the most important thing about this, people like Max Williams and even Didis, even though I've been hard on Didis the whole year. This was their first bowl win in their career, right? So, like, there's a difference between a Max Williams and a Kalen Bullock. Max Williams is like, I want to win a bowl game. Kalen Bullock is like, I don't want to play. Like, bro, you're a fourth rounder. Like, let's be realistic about your life. Go play your – go win a bowl game. Like, there's a difference in life. But Max was like – by the way, Max Williams is a big dude. He's not little. I didn't – I thought he was little. Max Williams is a NFL safety. I don't care what anybody says. I saw that dude up close. Like, okay, he could play NFL safety. But anyway, that's the difference. You know what I mean? Max, I want to win a bowl game before I leave here. 
Well, uh, I want to protect my fourth round draft stock. That's the problem. So I'll leave it there. Before we wrap this up, do you guys have anything before we finish this out? Any closing statements? Ryan, Jamal, let's go with Ryan nah. first. No, nah, I mean, yeah, it's the holiday bowl, but hey, first bowl win since the 2017 Rose Bowl. So it's been almost seven years. Uh, you got to start somewhere. So um, it's, a, it's a good start and going into year three, we'll see what this uh, team looks like. We got a lot to talk about this offseason, a lot of fun, but last night was a ton of fun and it was, it was great to see. The program have some excitement behind it. I think fans were pumped who came down in San Diego. It was a good showing down at Petco Park. Um, and so it's it was a good way to, you know, I, we said this on the drive back last night, right, Coach? Like, the end, it, we were all kind of blinded by last year. Like, the we talked about it, like how there was, like, definitely some smoke and mirrors and, and what the last year's team was. But for sure, I think we could all agree, or at least I, I think we did on our drive at least, even as bad as this season was going seven and five after this bowl win, I feel much better about this USC team moving forward than I did last year after the cotton bowl loss to Tulane. Yeah. Um, at the time I felt fine. I was like, Oh yeah, it's rough. Like they'll get it figured out. But now looking at what transpired with how bad this year was, I think they've turned the corner or not. Turned right. The corner, you predicted the this team to go 12 and 0 this year. <laughs> how could that be true? <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, I looking back on it, I feel better now because we saw what happened, and now I feel you better felt, about what they changed. You feel even changed. better than a 12 and 0 season. I mean, I didn't say 12 and 0 in January last year. Well, you said preseason this team was going to go 12 and 0, and that was probably in like July, like seven months later. <laughs> <laughs> so, as of a year ago in December, when me and you did a live after the Cotton Bowl, yeah, yeah, I uh, remember I feel better about where this team is now. For sure. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. I, 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 I totally agree. I think this is going to be a, a fun offseason uh, moving forward, and I think there's going to be a lot more additions. There's going to be a lot more subtractions. There's going to be, obviously, integration with coaches, but it always feels so much better to be able to end the season with a bowl victory and, and go out on a high note. I mean, I, Ryan, I think you, know, you, you alluded to it. That was, there was sort of a shock at the end of last season with with the Tulane SC finish and and how that ended, especially in the final four and a half minutes. And really the first thing that was talked about at the end of that game was what are they going to do about Grinch? Do you do you get rid of Grinch right now? Or does he have sort of one more magic bullet to stay for one more year? And that was that became the focus more than sort of the development of the program. And now I think you can just sort of focus on the development of the program. So I think it's going to be a ton of fun. Hard to believe it's going to be eight or nine months till the next game. So we'll have plenty to talk about during that time until this team takes the field again. I'm sure there'll be a ton of machinations from now until then. But uh, it's always great to go out on on a bowl win for sure. Yeah. So the 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 way I, after Ryan told me that, and when I got home, this is the way I thought about it. Have you ever just had just a terrible day where nothing just went right? Like, like you're just like ripping and running and all day and nothing just going right. Like you're trying to pay a bill, but you need it. It's just, and then you get home, you're like, man, what am I going to eat? And you happen to just look in the refrigerator and it's like a leftover pizza from the night before, but like you warm it up, you sit down and you eat it. And then it happens to be the night of your favorite show. And then like, you still have two of your favorite drinks left. And when you just sit down, you're like, I mean, it is what it is, but my show's on, I'm eating pizza. I'm at home now. I had worse days. I'm I'm good, right? And your day, your night ends up being way better because you can finally relax and you can call it good. And there's always tomorrow, right? God willing. So, I think that's how that this season went. It was just a terrible season. We just couldn't accomplish anything. But we came home. We had four slices of our leftover pizzas. We still had two of our lemonades left, and Dancing with the Stars was on the season finale. I caught it in time. And, and I'm just saying, like, I'm just and he's like, you know what? Today sucks, but now I'm in a good spot. So I think that season just like it just put us in a good spot. Like we could legit end the season on a happy note. It's not, oh, here we go again. Like this show could definitely be, well, we expected to lose. Right. We're ending, right? We're ending on a happy note. Like we're happy with what we saw with the youngsters. We we told you how good these kids are gonna be, and they just showed up and showed out. So I'm excited. So with that being said, we got a lot more shows to do. We still got to get through the defense and the DBs. We got a bunch of stuff. We're going to have special guests. I appreciate you, gentlemen. 
I thank everybody for listening on the Mightier 1090. Um, bet online, go to betonline.ag, promo code BLEAV, 50 cent match bonus, underdog fantasy, go to underdogfantasy.com or any app store, Google player app store, put in promo code USCLAFB, $100 match bonus. And if you're watching the games this weekend, don't forget about Stone Brewery. We know it's Miller time, but go get you a fight on Pell They're still not out of season. So take advantage and go get them now. Gentlemen, I appreciate you guys. We ended on a win. We got a lot to talk about. We still got to get through the defense. We're going to have some guests come on. We got a good little guest. Me and Ryan put a good little guest list while you were down and out on the IR, Jamal. So Love it. Can't wait. We got some good people we're trying to get together. So I appreciate it. I appreciate all you fans. I appreciate everybody listening. More than ever, I appreciate the madman and Ryan Dyruth for joining me tonight. We get to finish early, so if you guys haven't eaten dinner yet, you can go eat your last four slices of pizza, drink your final lemonade, and watch Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Thank you guys for watching it. Thank you guys for everything you guys do. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. This has been the Bet Online Salute Detroit Podcast from another Victory Thursday. You guys know how it goes. Live free, fight on.